Mary. Well, folks, good morning, Jay Debshire. It's all gone go well, Shivshire. Good morning, it's Jerry Adams here again with another podcast. And any of you who have visited Belfast City in the last 20 years or so will be familiar with the wall murals and particularly the famous Bobby Sands mural at the gable of the Sinn Féin office on the Falls Road and farther down the road with the International Wall. And one of the leading mural artists is my good friend Donny DeBenny or Donny D. And I'm very pleased to announce that Donny D is now doing a book. And given that we have broken that news, I hope that will be an incentive for him to finish it. It will be a photographic and literary journey through Donny D's very eventful life. And in my opinion, he deserves not one book, but 20 books to celebrate his life and struggle and his art. And Donny has enriched all our lives with his creativity. He has brightened Belfast streetscape. He's educated and uplifted our citizens and visitors with his murals. And his book will tell how art has been a huge help to him through all his decades of activism. And that's where a painting, the session, which he has recently released, comes in. The session features John Lennon, Donny's friend Bobby Sands, Che Guevara, Chilean activist and poet and songwriter, Victor Hara and Woody Guthrie, the great American songwriter and activist. And it's available in a limited edition and it's a not-for-profit funder for Donny's book. So check out his Facebook page and private message Donny if you want to buy a copy. Now Donny has had a mind to do such a painting for a very long time. He was in long case with Bobby and he knows how much music meant to him. Bobby loved John Lennon. He would have loved to have been in a session with him and the others. He admired them all. There's a photograph during the rounds of a session of patching drinking prisoners in cage 11, which Donny based his painting on. And some other time I'll tell you the story of that photograph and that session. It's Haitian scale Ella Marajorter. Anyway, Donny delayed doing the painting because he couldn't get a side view of Bobby's face which satisfied him. And then Richard McCauley found the photograph of Bobby in French photographer Gerard Hardy's portfolio of photographs taken in Belfast in the 70s. And Richard discovered this when we were doing work on the Lyargas book on Myra Drum. So that side view, Bobby standing erect and tall, marching along, carrying the flag, that side view and the pandemic, that allowed Donny the space to work his magic. I know the political value of that magic from my time in the cache with Donny D in the mid-70s. He did the artwork for a number of publications produced in Cage 11 and smuggled outside. These included a small pamphlet, Peace in Ireland, 
and another unpublished book, it was actually, Our British Problem, by this uh, podcaster. And then for Q. Feeney, he illustrated In Care of Her Majesty's Prison, and another publication, Prison Struggle. And he also did the illustrations for the Brownie articles, which were smuggled out to the Sinn Féin paper, Republican News. And his pen name was Flossie. Donnie and Bobby were in the Gale Talk Tut in Cage 11. And Bobby used to drive his comrades mad as he practised his guitar skills and learned his songs. Tomboy Loudon was just as bad. Tomboy was learning the mandolin. And Bobby was taught guitar by blues legend Rob McCulloch. Baby, please don't go. Baby, please don't go. Baby, please don't go down to New Orleans. You know I love you so. Baby, please don't go. Rob was in the crumb, and one day Bobby heard him playing. There were two guitars in the the crumb, and Bobby asked Rob for a few tips. And Rob was already an accomplished guitarist. He'd been in a number of bands, including Sunshine and the Big Soul Band. And then when they were moved to Long Cash, Tomboy and Bobby and Rob and others, Rob, who was a very, very leading exponent of Robert Johnson's Delta Blues style, showed Bobby more tricks of the trade. And he recalled Bobby was a big Rod Stewart and the Faces fan. And one of the first songs, appropriately enough, that Bobby and Tomboy favoured was Mandolin wind. And they also picked up on Christy Moore on Ewan McCall's fine ballad, Tim Evans. That was one of Bobby's first songs. And Christy's renditions led him to Woody Guthrie and then from there to James Taylor, Neil Young to Dylan to Bowie to Loudon Wainwright III Dead Skunk in the Middle of the Road Stinking to the high heavens. And Leonard Cohen, Cat Stevens, and so on and so on. And he used the melody of Gordon Lightfoot's The Rack of the Edmund Fitzgerald in the Hiss Flocks for Back Home in Derry, a song which is now part of the tradition. Bobby Sands loved the Beatles, especially, as I've said, John Lennon, but also Paul McCartney because of their songs in Ireland and When Lennon was threatened with deportation from New York, Bobby was among the prisoners who signed a petition in Cage 8 to support him. When Paul McCartney formed Wings, Bobby played Band on the Run non-stop and he rehearsed Man Una until his hutmates despaired. According to Paddy Donnelly, one time they threw oranges and apples at him as he struggled eventually getting the key changes in Lennon's Imagine. And I recall Bobby learning Chris Christopherson's Bobby McGee in the study hut. Just the two of us there, as I whiled away my time planning my next unsuccessful escape. For their first Christmas in Long Cash in Cage 17, Tomboy Rob and Bobby played at the Cage concert. By the time they arrived into Cage 11, both Bobby and Tomboy had a reasonable collection of songs. 
And when Cyril McCartan arrived in from Limerick and started Irish Rangana, his teaching regime included a singing rang. And Bobby, who was now a committed Gilgory or Gilgore Gomeleskil, learned Galtine Glass Gidor and Bajin Elemy. Bajin Elemy, Jimmy Go Go La Bajin Elemy, Scalamio. He later went on to write his own songs in Gilga. There was only one record player in the cage, and each hut got a go at it. Bobby played Prosperous non-stop, he played Clonid non-stop, he played Bowie non-stop, and by the, now his brother Sean, also uh, no mean uh, musician and singer, a really good uh, far la Kjol August uh, Egobwer Oroin. Sean by now had sent him in his own guitar and tons of songbooks. And I remember him playing and singing at our kids' concert the Christmas before he was released. Tom Boy got out later that year and Bobby played at his home coming gig in Unity Flats. And he then suggested to Tom Boy that they form a group. They did so. Phoenix was their name. But they only had two gigs. In the Lisa Club and St Matthew's in the Short Strand or Bella McCarrot or Antragar. And then Bobby was rearrested and Tomboy was back on the run and that was the end of Phoenix. But before that they had one good night down in O'Meath. And Bobby recalls they ended up being invited into a local wedding. They didn't know anybody at the wedding. There was a show band, the Four Aces, playing and most of the older wedding guests were waltzing serenely as Bobby his wife Geraldine and Tomboy watched. And when Bobby went off to the Leheris, to the gents, Tomboy put his name down mischievously for a song request. And Bobby was later duly called. And on borrowing a guitar from one of the four aces, he launched into Pinball Wizard by the Who. Tomboy says none of the waltzers applauded at the end. Suitably mortified, Bobby told Tomboy with a big grin that it was like he was back singing in the cache again. And all of this was before the horrors of the hate blocks. So was the photograph which Danny D used for the session. He told me he wanted to show Bobby as he was, a light-hearted, funny guy. So thank you, Danny D. May your murals keep our heads high. Guru Maya Ugget. Bobby Sands, let your music keep our spirits high. And then to another issue, the ongoing plight of the Palestinian people. And a few weeks ago, this podcast featured the hunger strike of Palestinian prisoner Mahar al-Akhras. And he was in hunger strike for a remarkable 104 days against his internment by the Israeli authorities under their infamous administrative detention system. Maher ended his hunger strike on November the 6th, following a commitment that he would be released on November the 26th and not served with a further detention order. Last Thursday, he won his freedom and was taken to the hospital in Nablus in the occupied West Bank. 
and his courageous stand against the shameful system of administrative detention successfully brought the use of this repressive legislation to a wider international audience. It's also a reminder of the denial of sovereignty to the Palestinian people, the ongoing occupation of Palestinian land by the Israeli government and the apartheid system which most Palestinians are forced to live under. Last Sunday was the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. In this annual act of solidarity with the people of Palestine was agreed by the UN General Assembly in 1977. It takes place on November the 29th each year in remembrance of the resolution passed on that day by the UN which partitioned Palestine. Palestine. The partition of Palestine has created over 80 years of conflict and instability in that region. The human rights consequences for the Palestinian people have been horrendous. They are regularly denied freedom of movement, access to jobs, goods and services, including fuel and food, and in the midst of a pandemic, they're denied the right to health care. Three weeks ago, on an act symbolic of the conditions endured by the people of Palestine, 73 people, including 41 children, were forcibly removed from their homes and watched, forced to watch as Israeli military excavators smashed their homes into the ground. 30 tons of food were also destroyed, food for animals, and two tractors were confiscated by the Israeli forces. It was, according to the UN, the largest forced displacement incident in four years. Yvonne Hella, the United Nations coordinator for the occupied Palestinian territory, said, demolitions are a key means of creating an environment designed to coerce Palestinians to leave their homes. So far this year, almost 700 structures have been demolished in East Jerusalem and the West Bank. However, this Israeli tactic goes beyond demolishing Palestinian homes. For years it has destroyed EU-funded infrastructural projects in Palestine. Last year, 127 structures, mostly funded by EU member states, were destroyed by Israeli authorities. In September 2019, EU member states spoke out against the Israeli policy of demolition. At the time they reported that, and I quote, the period from March to August 2020 saw the highest average destruction rate in four years. At the same time, the EU, which purports to support a two-state solution, is Israel's number one partner. It also sells significant amounts of weapons to the Israeli government. The effect of this contradictory, confusing and ineffective stance by the international community allows the Israeli government to ignore protests and the demands of the UN for Israel to accept the rights of the people of Palestine. The diplomatic and political policy of success of Irish governments in respect of the Palestinian people has failed. It was never intended to succeed. So it's time now for a new strategy. In 2014, the Oireachtas voted in support of the Irish government officially recognising the state of Palestine and providing official embassy status to the Palestinian mission in Dublin. 
It's long overdue that this was done. The Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael, Green Party government should also end their opposition to the Occupied Territories Bill, which would ban imports from illegal Israeli settlements in the Palestinian territories. They should bring it back before the Oireachtas as soon as possible. They should be standing up for the rights of the people of Palestine. If we Irish don't do that, who will? And to play us out, the music of Bobby and the voices of Beck McFarlane and Liam Lappin. Slam. In Glen Revels, Glen, I loved a man, some would call a god. He could cure the dead and kill the lives, price was thirty bob. Come winter, summer, frost all over, a chicken spring on the breeze. In the dead of night, a man slips by Mackelhatton, if you please. Mackelhatton, you blurt the need, you cry a million shaken men. Where are you, Saxon body, will your likes be seen again? Here's a jig to the man and a reel to the drop, swing to the girl you love. May you fiddle play and punching cure your cup. Eighteen oh three, and we sailed out to sea, out from the sweet town of Derry. For Australia bound, if we didn't alter out on the marks of our feathers we carried. In the rusty iron chains, we cried for our wings. As a good woman, we left in sorrow. As a main sails unfurled, our curses we hurled. On the English thoughts of tomorrow At the mouth of the foil but farewell to the soil Down below decks we were lying Old the hardy scream open out of a dream By a vision of old Robert dying The sunburn cruel as we stitched out the groove Dan O'Connor was down with the fever Sixty rebels today bound for Botany Bay How many will reach their receiver? Oh, 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 I wish I was back home in Derry Oh, 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 oh I wish I was back home in Derry I cursed them the hell as their bow fought the spell I should dance like them off on the firelight While horses rode high as the devil passed by Taking souls in the Hades by twilight Five weeks out to sea we were now forty-three We buried our comrades each morning In our old slime we were lost in the time Endless nights with her dawning And oh, oh, oh I wish I was back home in Derry Oh, oh, oh I wish I was back home in Derry Van Diemen's land is the hell for a man To live out his whole life in slavery where the climate is raw and the gun makes the law Neither win nor win care for bravery Twenty years have gone by and I've ended my bond My comrades' ghosts walk behind me 
A rebel like him, I'll die for the same. On a cold winter's night, you'll find me. Oh, oh, oh. I wish I was back home in Derry.